It's 12-12 on the Wintrust Business Lunch. Here's Stephen Esposito, president of Yellowstone Wealth Management in Lake Forest. Click on yellowstonewm.com. Thanks for joining us again. How are you, Steve? I'm good. How are you, John? Pretty good, and maybe even better. The Consumer Price Index, um, maybe not a big surprise, but uh, that's a nice number right now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I loved it. I think it's actually going to get better as time goes by, as we get through the first quarter and the second quarter. You can see some surprises to the downside in the inflation number, which will hopefully get the Fed to maybe pause. We'll see. We don't know that. That's a wild card. But I think we're heading the right direction. Uh, I'm, point, I'm excited. It fell 0.1% in December. That's the number we're talking about. And maybe that's not a big surprise. But um, does that mean that well, I don't know. Tell me what that means about inflation for the rest of the year. That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of inflation, as we talked, you know, back in the beginning of uh, of 2022, a lot of it had to do with speculative excesses in the system. Um, not to mention, you, know, you don't have speculation and obviously wages. Remember, the container ships were off the coast and a lot more supply chains. I think that's all starting to correct itself. And uh, the labor issue... Um, I think and I think we might get lucky and have almost a perfect landing. Not necessarily the Fed's doing, but the consumer stays strong and if inflation comes down simultaneously, you could have almost a perfect landing. Let's keep our fingers crossed. I guess we should all hope for some positive stuff. And you're seeing it play out in the market. You're seeing um as we talk about owning value stocks over the aggressive growth stock positions and it's it's working like a charm. I'm in a really good mood. I could tell you that. Well, the Dow jumped uh, 300 points today after these numbers, right? Yeah, well, it's it's been it's been sneaking up underneath the surface. Um, I think you can have, as I've said many times, you can have a stealth bull market where the broad market does much better than the the indices, which are you know top heavy in many of the big tech names that are unperforming. So, don't be surprised to see um, stock picking, if you can believe it, come back. But I think I would still continue to tell investors to focus on companies uh, with earnings. Uh, reasonable price earnings multiples, dividends where you can get them. And I think investors who play too speculative a, a role in their portfolios have learned a very valuable lesson. It's not it's not a good one, yeah. but it's one we all needed to learn in our careers. And if they focus back on fundamentals, I think they can do really well. So I'm excited. I really am. I'm, I'm excited about the future for the market um, and, and the right sectors of the market is really what I'm focusing on. Well, the first couple of years of the pandemic, the NASDAQ was a good bet. You want to contrast the NASDAQ to the Dow or the S&P right now? Um, yeah, I would say if you look at, obviously, the performance right now, uh, the Dow has, thought, you know, has been outperforming because it's more value-weighted um, in terms of the way it's structured. But even then, the P ratios are still higher than what I'm used to. I'm, I'll typically look for single-digit single, single digit multiples where I can, Um I think investors should focus on companies where the stock price has to catch up to the earnings rather than the earnings have to catch up to the stock price. So what are some examples? focus on that. Give me some examples I, of that. I can't, give, I can't give specifics, but I can tell you that you look at the autos, for example. Yep. Um, look at many of the retail chain in that area. Look at, at the banks especially, the financials, uh, the insurance companies. Th- things that are designed towards the consumer which is the strongest part of the economy, they're still shopping. I mean, look at the airline earnings we're getting in. Uh, that whole group is just doing really well. And it, I think it, many of those areas are still undervalued at what the potential is for those companies and really just on their trailing earnings as they're reporting them. So um, that's that's where we're focused on, we've been focused on, and we'll continue to focus on because I think there's a lot more upside in that group. 
Well, is this true? There's maybe two ways to tame inflation. One is the supply side. One is the demand side. If you increase interest rates, it kills demand. But you alluded a moment ago to the improvement on the supply side. I wonder what's driving this more. I just think it had to work itself through the system like anything else. Um, There's glitches in everything we do, especially, you know, the world economies when we're getting through the entire COVID fiasco as as we get through it. Um, You're seeing that you're not seeing the tanker ships uh, off the coast anymore. In fact, I've heard through sources that a lot of those container ships aren't even full anymore when they're shipping them. So you're seeing used car prices come down. If you look at the actual inflation numbers, because the Fed is looking backwards and using back information instead of forward, um, the price of housing and rents are coming down. Uh, all that is, is, is improving dramatically. And the fact that the consu- uh, the uh, wage earners are still doing well, I think that's actually the best of both worlds if we can somehow you know, smooth it all out and save over here while simultaneously uh, letting consumers have more. And here's another thing nobody's talking about. For the first time in how many years, people are earning a return on their savings. <laughs> Money markets, 3 yeah. 4% CDs. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine what's going on in Europe where they had negative rates for years, and now all of a sudden people are getting positive cash flow. I don't think that's being talked about enough, that the safe rate of return you can get today is substantially better than it's been. But I'll be honest with you, I don't think, for me, as you know, I don't own any bonds, haven't had bonds for years. Um, I don't think it's the rates are high enough going longer term after you know, one, two, three years for me to lock in those returns uh, for that period of time. I'd rather look for dividend-paying companies at good prices, I think the total return will be better. So I don't think high interest rates is enough of a deterrent, but it's positive because at least individuals are earning something on their savings they can they can hold on to. And so I think, again, it could be a Goldilocks scenario, and that's what I'm hoping for. I think that's such an interesting point. You can get 4%, why wouldn't you? But I've heard somebody else say, in the next 12 months, I think the market's going to do better than 4%. So, so if you've got cash available... Uh, maybe you're tr- cashing in a CD or something. Um, it might be just as wise to put it in the market as a, a T-bill or an I-bond. Again, it depends on what your your risk tolerance is, your investment goals, provide you're diversified. I think that's all important. I think you're making a very good point um, because, again, it is an alternative, but we've been around a while. I remember interest rates in the 10 15 18%. Uh, those are deterrents, uh, even 7 or 8%, but you're not seeing that. So while it's better and it's enjoyable for those yeah. and then those who don't invest, um, I don't think it's enough of a deterrent for the investor who's looking to own companies at single-digit multiples with nice dividends and looking for a combination of growth. But it's a, to me, it's a more moderate-risk investment portfolio than what we've seen through COVID, where it was just you know, we talked about the zombie stocks and we talked about the emperor has no clothes stocks. And they've all come down. I mean, some of the losses there are just devastating. Uh, but simultaneously, as those mm-hmm. are coming out, money is re, as we talked, money would redirect um, itself towards these other companies, which is exactly what you're seeing. And I think there's a lot more upside in that in those groups. Stephen Esposito, president of Yellowstone Wealth Management, Lake Forest, YellowstoneWM.com. Always interesting, Stephen. We'll call again. Thank you, John. Joan Salzman joins us on WGN Radio again, senior reporter at CNET. Hi, Joan. Hi, John. How are you? I'm good. My blood pressure's in check now. (laughs) I was just hearing that. Yes, that's fantastic to hear. HBO Max, latest streaming service, hiking prices. Why and how much? Right. So HBO Max is, as of today, has raised its prices for its ad-free subscriptions in the U.S., 
by $1 to $16 a month. So if you're somebody that was thinking of subscribing, now you're going to have to pay $16 rather than $15 a month. If you're already a subscriber, then whatever bill comes on or after February 11th, that one's where you're going to see the higher charges. And the reason why, well, you know, I don't have to tell you, there has just been a, a avalanche of new streaming services. All these companies that have launched them have had to pour billions of dollars into them. It's also created the effect that it's just harder to get more people to subscribe when everyone's being pulled in different directions with their subscription dollars. And so what we're seeing now are a number of services raising the prices, just like HBO Max announced today. Boy, I th- it just makes me think, okay, uh, you've got all these services and, and people are getting tired of having to pay for all of these services. I wonder if a strategy would have been cut it by a dollar, right? So now maybe I'll cancel mm-hmm. my subscription to to Disney or something because I can save a buck going this way. You know, if, if just for a year, cut it by a dollar a month. How about that? Brilliant, huh? You with me? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you, and I think everybody that has to pay for it is with you. But who's not with you is the new man that's in charge of HBO Max. So HBO Max is part of this new company created by a merger, um, Warner Brothers Discovery. And the leader of that company, his name is David Zaslav, he's notoriously frugal. And in this merger, they took on a ton of debt. So he and the company are trying to find any way that they can to recoup some of those billions they invested in HBO Max and also cut costs as um, as best they can. So I'm definitely not surprised that this happened at HBO Max's corner at all. $16 if you wanted to add free, and I think it's $10 if you have commercials, Correct. right? Um, yeah. Uh, right. You all at CNET are also, because you are CNET, uh, talking a little bit about uh, the FFA, the FAA outage, uh, what happened with the airlines yesterday. Yeah. Uh, can you shed yeah, any light on that today? Yeah. So there were um, around 11,000 flights disrupted yesterday because of a FAA system outage. It was caused by something as innocuous as a damaged database file. Um, it was part of this, uh, this sort of critical system called NOTAM, the Notice to Air Transmission. But basically, it helps commercial airlines be alert to real-time flight hazards and other restrictions. Um, Unfortunately, the FAA has been struggling to modernize its computer and air traffic control systems for years. This isn't the first time that something along these lines has happened, and it probably will not be the last. Talk to me about the latest scheme by Twitter. Are they auctioning off vanity names like the states do license plates? What's what's that about? analogy. So um, as of now, there's nothing confirmed, but Twitter has reportedly discussed something like that, something where they would auction off um, usernames, which are what some people call your handle on Twitter. It's the name that you have after the at symbol. So, you know, some uh, um, usernames that have valuable words or represent um, somebody who's a celebrity, those are highly valuable. And Elon Musk, who, as everyone knows, is the is the mercurial owner of Twitter nowadays. He has said he wanted to start getting rid of, and this would be a way, if they decide to go in that direction, to um, to make some money off of some oh, of those accounts sure. that have been sitting around. I mean, think about it. If it's sort of like URLs, if you said, okay, I'm now going to auction off money as a handle, or sex, or, or cars, yes. I mean, something like that. I, I, 
to me, that's a lot smarter than what, what, what's the charge for a blue check mark? $12 or something? Um, right. Yeah. Well, there's blue check marks, there's gray check marks, there's gold check marks. You get a check mark. Everyone gets a check mark. So it's all very confusing now. <laughs> um, I also wanted to talk to you about deep fakes. What's the technology story there? Right. Well, we've been talking about deep fakes for a while. Deep fakes, um, for people who aren't familiar, those are synthetically generated pieces of media. So like a video of, you know, Tom Cruise's face superimposed in a movie he's never starred in. Um, the most recent deep fake news is around some Microsoft researchers revealing a text-to-speech AI model. It's called Val-E. And with just a three-second snippet of audio, it reportedly can closely simulate that person's voice. So a three three seconds of you, John, speaking, and allegedly this Valley system could synthesize you saying anything that is typed into the program, allegedly also attempting to preserve your emotional tone, the way that you deliver things, just from three seconds. Wow. You know, my colleague here, Bob Surratt, was talking about how he got a phone call, some sort of scam call, and mm-hmm. it was clear that they were looking for him to say something so that they could mm-hmm. record his voice, hopefully saying the word yes, but maybe not even that. You can imagine how malicious this technology could be. Yeah, and, and it's very easy because deep fakes can be so convincing and because they replicate voices and people's facial expressions, because they look so real, they, it makes it very easy to see the sort of dystopian possibilities, um, you know, disrupt destabilizing governments, disrupting financial markets, like you said, performing fraud that can cheat people out of their money or put them in danger. But there are ways that that deepfakes and this sort of technology can be helpful. So with this case of Valley, pardon me, Microsoft researchers, if I'm I'm pronouncing it wrong, Mm -hmm. but um, you can imagine, you know, somebody who has lost their voice due to illness or surgery, giving them the power to have a text-to-speech program that actually sounds like they did before they had that sort of disability. There are ways that it can be helpful to people, too. Right, and not like Stephen Hawking's voice, which is so computer-generated. It sounds very robotic. Joan Salzman is a senior reporter at CNET.com. Interesting stuff today, Joan. As always, thanks for your time. Great to talk to you. Bye, Don. You are listening to the Wintrust Business Lunch on WGN Radio, so maybe inflation not so bad, 0.1% on that consumer price index. So the market is up a little bit today, a few hundred points, used to be a lot. The next recession, here's a headline, though, from businessinsider.com, might hit the wealthy more, and a rich session could be good news for low-wage workers. We've learned a lot of new phrases these days, like quiet quitting. I've never heard of rich session. Juliana Kaplan, labor and inequality reporter at businessinsider.com. Is that something you all drummed up, or is, is that a thing, a rich session? <laughs> no, I wish we came up with it. The Wall Street Journal coined it, so full credit to them. What is a rich session? Um, it's basically one, as <laughs> the term um, indicates rich people are feeling the impact of a recession more or disproportionately feeling the impact. Well, we had a K-shaped recovery in the pandemic or even a K-shaped life in the pandemic for some people. It seemed like those with 
did well, some actually prospered, and those without did not, right? This sounds like the opposite of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a great point, and a big part of the K-shaped recovery is that high earners were seeing even higher earnings and more job opportunities, maybe in big tech. And at the same time, we saw some of the wealthiest people in the country made their fortunes essentially balloon, and that was due to a really strong stock market, even while everything else was going on. And now, if you think through what's happening right now, we're seeing a lot of layoffs concentrated in particularly higher-wage jobs, so big tech, and at the same time, stock market not doing so hot. Mm. Yeah, so I guess that's the start of the answer to my next question. So why does the market right now impact the wealthy more than low-wage earners? Um, And if I hear you correctly, it's because high-wage earners are getting laid off. Um, High-wage earners tend to be more invested in the markets. The markets are down. How is there any other factor that's impacting maybe disproportionately the wealthier? Yeah, I mean, I think those are the big ones, um, you know, and I think it's important to say in all of this that the wealthy are still definitely <laughs> doing okay, um, and the lowest earners still did feel a disproportionate impact from the pandemic on multiple levels. But yes, I think you nailed it there. <laughs> Well, then what about the low-wage earners? I mean, so it's maybe the the wealthy have more to lose here, but is it actually benefiting in any way? I mean, talk about those on the other end of the economic spectrum. How is this impacting them right now? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think anyone who has gone anywhere or tried to do anything has heard about labor shortages, uh, which has been a pretty persistent issue, Lots of people saying people don't want to work anymore, which I have my own qualms with that phrase. There's a whole lot of things that led to the current situation. But that being said, if we look among traditionally lower wage jobs, the quit rate is still very high there. So that means workers feel pretty confident leaving their jobs. And the data shows those people aren't dropping out of the labor force. They're getting hired at the same time, which wages, gosh, can't speak today. Wages continue to increase. Mm-hmm. Um so that's something that will probably fade a little bit. We're already seeing it cool off a little in terms of wages, although clips remain high. So that means still a lot of opportunities for, you know, some of the lower earners within the labor market. A quote from your story, it says here, high earners are getting cut at companies like Meta and Twitter, where median workers made over $200,000 in 2021. I knew those were good companies to work for if you could put up with it all, but I didn't know the median salary there was 200 k plus. And as Insider's Lynette Lopez reports, you write, the stock market for the foreseeable future is royally screwed. The top 10% of Americans hold nearly 90% of all stocks in the country. That's a record high interesting sort of metric there, but I, I I presume, I hope that in time, the market's going to lift all boats, that it'll get better and the, 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 the rich will come out ahead yet. But right now, they're taking a, a bigger percentage haircut than the low-wage earners who seem to be managing okay in this environment. At least that's one way to look at it, right? Yeah, I think there's some irony here. And again, you know, 
low-wage earners are still having to really deal with the impact of inflation. So even as their wages go up, in a lot of cases, inflation is going up more, although we are seeing that moderate a little bit. But sort of the irony of the thing that made inequality such a big issue throughout the pandemic, um, and I think just really stark, which is, you know, the ultra-wealthy just having more and more stocks and greater shares yeah. and holding so much of the stock market. But now, you know, we sort of see that turning on them a little. Well, all of this notwithstanding, it does remind me of the quip, I've been rich, I've been poor, rich is better. So uh, <laughs> um, too bad for them. Juliana Kaplan is a labor and inequality reporter at Insider. Businessinsider.com is the website. Nice to talk to you today, Juliana. The full story is at businessinsider.com. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me. 12.43 on the Trust Business Lunch. More business news now with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Trust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. The outlook for 2023 is positive among Chicago's small business leaders, including company presidents, vice presidents, directors, and other executives. A group of 190 of them from companies with 500 or fewer employees were surveyed by cranes. Half of them expect revenues to go up this year, and nearly a third plan to increase their workforce in 2023. The biggest challenges include economic uncertainty and higher costs for supplies and health care. The biggest opportunities, they say, include improved marketing and sales strategies. The chief lender has taken control of the Board of Trade building in Chicago. Tenants turned over the deed to Apollo Global Management rather than face foreclosure and default on a $256 million mortgage. Cranes reports Apollo has hired a Chicago developer to come up with a new use for the distressed property at 141 West Jackson. The developer will oversee renovations and explore non-office uses for the landmark building. Apollo is betting on a resurgence of the loop. I'm Steve Grithanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Here we go, Bears fans. We're sponsored by the Chevy Silverado HD. Experience your life in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. Yeah, not to rub it in, but the wheels came off and the Bears were so bad they didn't even have a player selected to the Pro Bowl for the first time in five years. But Layla Batoy Dillon is a Bears All-Pro. And I am the CEO of Batoy's Sweet Treats. Yeah, and her Batoy's Sweet Treats was the Bears' small business All-Pro for the last month of the season. It all began when Layla was traveling the world as a corporate exec. But I decided to relocate back to Chicago and I wanted to trade in my briefcase for an apron. I started playing around in the kitchen, and Batoy Sweet Treats was born. And seven years later, a Chicago Bears small business all-pro. It really gave us an opportunity to expand, um, not just here in Chicago, but there's Bear Nation and Bears fans all throughout the United States. So this is a partnership that... Uh, really helped us grow and expand our brand awareness. And it was also something that was cool and fun. And by the way, this got me a lot of cool points with my husband. This is probably the only thing that I've done that mattered this year. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's a Bears fan. Layla's corporate travels took her all over the world, and she brought back recipes for authentic Italian gelato. And then added a Chicago twist. Things like banana pudding, red velvet, peach cobbler. We aren't going to have the traditional Italian flavors. Gourmet popcorn, too. And I wanted to introduce some different flavors there as well. And a lot of things that are dipped and baked. You know, lemon cookies, red velvet cookies. I mean, we're really going to have some very unique treats. And when Layla came back to open her business in 2015, she purposely did so in the Austin neighborhood. You can visit our flagship location at 5957 West Chicago Avenue. 
You can access our website, thetoysbrands.com. And then we're on all the social media outlets, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, um, by just using our name. And it's spelled B-I-T-O-Y, a Chicago Bears All-Pro. From the farm to your belly, today is National Curry Chicken Day and a couple of sweets, National Glazed Donut Day, National Marzipan Day. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. This is the Wintrust Business Lunch. Today is January 12th. The boat show is up and running at McCormick Place. Let's talk to the boat show manager. That's Keith Ogul... Uh, Keith, I want to get your name right. Is it Ogulnik? Thanks for joining us on WGN. It is absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, same sort of enthusiasm my friend Steve has here. So out at McCormick Place through the 15th after a two-year break because of the pandemic, uh, what are the highlights of the show this year? Yeah, it, it's first of all, it's great to be on with you. But secondly, it is so exciting just to be back. I mean, it's been since 2020. And as you know, uh, you know, Chicago is such a passionate city when it comes to boating. I mean, with this lakefront and the great resources we have around here, this show has become such a staple and people love coming to it. What's new is that we're back and that it's exciting and people and family are excited to come out here. We've got some great new features. Uh, One of the great things, if there's anything positive about the pandemic, was that people really got into outdoor recreation and boating exploded over 800,000 new boaters in this country over the course of the last two years. So Mm -hmm. it's a really passionate, excited, curious audience, and that's why they come to this show. That's an interesting observation. We knew that bicycling, for instance, went through the roof. You couldn't get a bike during the pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, Campers and RVs the same way. Boats, too, huh? Absolutely. And there was a while where you couldn't get a boat. And if someone had a used boat, it was gone in a heartbeat. And, you know, one of the reasons we didn't have the show last year was because of that demand. There was no product to show any longer. Uh Very similar. I heard you talking about the auto show. Same thing. But it's back. Um, This place is full of boats, great features, great family fun. There's something really for everybody. We're so excited to be back. You know, and at the auto show, they would tell me, well, it's hybrids or electric cars or it's um, a new kind of navigation or hands-free driving. What are some of the features? What's new in boating, big and small? It's interesting that um, the boating industry is a little bit behind in terms of the electric propulsion, but it's coming. And for the first time at this show, it's just a 17-foot Italian boat, but a Magonis is the first electric propulsion boat we've had here. Uh, so that's really exciting, and it's coming. It's a little bit harder to charge your boat out on Lake Michigan than it is if you have a, a <laughs> Tesla, but yeah. it, it's coming. Uh, and, and with boating itself, the technology advances every year, uh, joystick navigation and all that sort of thing, and it's just every year it gets more incredible. One of the things we have here which blows my mind is a pontoon boat, a pontoon boat that's $330,000. So... You know, clearly a little bit different than uh, what your grandfather or folks may have had on an inland lake in Wisconsin. No kidding, because um, at the end of the day, you're still pulling the kids in an inner tube. So what's <laughs> what's oh, absolutely what's what's special about a three hundred thousand dollar pontoon boat? Well, you would think that it would mix drinks for you, wouldn't you? But it, it doesn't do that. Yeah. But the thing that's so cool about it, that it, it's 10 feet wide, which is wider than your standard pontoon boat. Uh-huh. It fits 19 people. It, it just really is remarkable what they've done with those things. And there are pontoon boats now, again, with mini bars, with grills on them, with everything you can imagine. And 
But yeah, if that's not your bag, we've got everything from stand-up paddle boards up to a $1.5 million yacht here. There is something for everybody's taste. But the, the, I think the really cool thing about this show, there are a lot of things I love this show, is, is that if, even if you're not into boating necessarily or if that's just a dream that you have, there are so many activities and so many things people can come and see here. And if you're a little kid, you can maybe catch a trout for the first time in your life. Or we have a pirate ship for the kids. We've got a great new feature uh, called Flow Rider. If you want to wakeboard inside McCormick Place, you can put on a wetsuit and do it. And so you know, we feel very um, uh, that one of the most important things we could do is create an experience for people. Um, dead of winter, post-holiday blues, it's still several months before warm weather comes, so we really want to create uh, kind of a magical experience so they feel like they're in an oasis as opposed to McCormick Place. They've got food and beverage there, too, so today and tomorrow it's 11 to 8, Saturday 10 to 8, Sunday 10 to 5. What's the cost to get into the show? Uh, $15, kids 12 and under are free. Uh, we encourage you to go to the website, which is chicagoboatshow.com, and buy your tickets there and, and come on out here. And it, it is such a joy just to see faces light up, to see families having a great time, and that's what this show really is all about. And so, so excited to have, have had the opportunity to talk to you about it and hope your listeners come on out and join us. That would be wonderful. No kidding. Well, and the weather will be just perfect. It's not going to be so nice. You're going to do a lot outside. It's not going to be bad at all. So travel is easy to McCormick Place. Keith Ogolnik is the show manager at the Boat Show. And if you want to find out more, go to chicagoboatshow.com.